Isn't that awesome? You want to hear that series, you don't want to be here today. You're like, like, I see that, I'm like, I want to I preach that series. That starts next week. Uh, we're actually going to close up the series that we're in today. But anyways, good morning Alive. Great to see you here this morning. Just want to welcome everyone. Those of you who are here in this house, uh, welcome our chapel, our online service. It's so great. And since we're in so many different places, let's just pray and ask God to, to join our hearts and, 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 and speak to us this morning, shall we? Father, it's good to be together today. It's good to worship and just draw uh, uh, from you and your strength and your word. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds for what you would have for us today. Lord, bring us together so that we may hear from you. May we leave this place knowing that we have met with the Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you just saw that series starts next week, which means we're closing up this series uh, that we started a couple of weeks ago, uh, about a month ago or so, called Building a House of Faith. And if you remember, this all comes from Jesus' greatest sermon. The greatest sermon ever preached was Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. You can find that starting in Matthew chapter 5. That's all the Beatitudes, the blesseds, and the, and the, and the light. Uh, you're the light of the world, the salt of the world, the, uh, all that kind of stuff. You heard me say this, I'll tell you this, do this type of deal. And he ends that, Jesus ends that incredible message by saying this. If you hear my words, the man who hears my words and puts them into practice where you're wise and you're like building a house on the rock. But if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, well, that's foolish. And that's like building a house on the sand. And he says, and then when the storm comes, the house on the rock will be able to endure the storm. And, of course, the house on the sand will be washed away. And so we'll be talking about building our house uh, on this foundation. That foundation is faith. And week one was talking about that God is the foundation, that your faith is in God and God alone, and you can know God by knowing Jesus. In the second week, it was Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that allows us, that enables us, if you will, to, to, to take what we believe and actually put it into action, like to do something with the faith. It's a call to follow me. It's not a call to stay. It's not a call to be. It's a call to follow. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about faith that endures uh, uh, by waiting on God's promises, waiting on, on God and who he is. And so today, we're going to close out the series, and we got a good one for you. It's, um, it's faith that requires sacrifice. I just lost half the room, right? He's like, what? <laughs> sacrifice, right? I mean, that's not a popular word. We, we don't really do well with that, and it's hard to get excited about it, but it doesn't really come easy. It's countercultural to us to sacrifice, to, to lay down our will. Like, if I'm going to have this faith, that means that I'm going to put God's way over my way. That means I need a spirit of sacrifice. And, again, I, I understand that this is not the easiest thing for us to do. But if you just hang on, if you listen to the story that we're going to share today, if you give it a chance, you're actually going to see how having a spirit of sacrifice actually empowers us. It actually frees us up. It actually changes our perspectives and gives us something that this world cannot compete with. And we're going to start today by looking at one of the guys in the New Testament who had a spirit of sacrifice. And um, we're going to look at his letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi. This is Paul. And I love the book of Philippians. I find it absolutely fascinating. This is the first Jesus-centered community that, that Paul has established. It's in Eastern Europe. And in essence, it's kind of like his first church plant. And, and it's near and dear to his heart. And, 
And you can find this story in Acts chapter 16 is, is where it all kind of begins. And you understand that this church in, in Philippi, in Philippians, is, uh, it's, it's in a, a Roman colony. It's an ancient Macedonia. And so it's just full of retired soldiers and uh, officials, people who are sold out to Caesar, sold out to the Roman Empire, and very much a patriotic nationalism. And because of that, Paul would face a lot of resistance, a lot of persecution. In fact, even the people of the church would face a lot of that. And so Paul's writing this letter to encourage them. And amazing things later, this is 10 years later, this is 10 years after he started this, and Paul's actually in prison writing this letter to encourage this church because of the persecution and the resistance that they're facing. Now listen, being in prison, that's a pretty serious situation. Being in a Roman prison, well, that's even worse uh, because of the situations, because of how they ran things. But Paul, because of his faith, because of his position of sacrifice, Paul's actually seeing this situation as something good. Like he sees it as an opportunity. In fact, every Roman soldier, every Roman guard, every Roman official clerk, whoever's running this prison, they all know about Jesus because Paul will not shut up about Jesus. He keeps talking about it over and over and over again. In fact, they thought they were trying to squash this Jesus movement by putting Paul in prison, but the people on the outside, they're inspired by what Paul is doing, and so it's actually ignited a flame. It's actually ignited a movement, so people are more encouraged. They're, they're getting more confident to share their faith, and so what they thought they were trying to squash is actually is growing, and Paul in this prison actually thinks that he's going to be executed at any moment. He thinks that any day they're going to come and kill me, that they're going to end my life. And he still sees this as a good thing, right? In fact, look, look, look at the way that he reflects upon it in Philippians chapter 1. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. They're basically saying, Paul, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. And Paul's response is, would you? I mean, could you help me out? I got a little bit of a dilemma here. Like, I just don't know what I do because for me to live, well, I get to tell people about Jesus. But if I die, then I, I, I get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. So I don't know which one's better. So maybe you could just help me out and just get rid of me. What do you do with a guy like that? There's nothing you can do with that kind of person. Pa Paul has discovered that life in the present and in the future is defined by what you put your faith in. And for him... His faith was in his belief, with, with his belief in and love for Jesus. And he willingly laid down his life. He had the spirit of sacrifice. Now, just notice the train of thought here. Listen, dying for Jesus, that wasn't the sacrifice. That's actually the reward. Serving others and telling others about Jesus, well, that's not hardship. That's not work. That's, that's actually a blessing. I get to serve others. Sacrificing is Paul's way of participating in the story of Jesus. And he needs this approach. There's, there's no way that he could take this kind of position or have this kind of perspective if he doesn't have a spirit of sacrifice. There's no way that he could have the capacity to love others. And he knows I need this if I'm going to put others above myself. And you may be here this morning and say, well, that's great for Paul. And I'm glad he did that. He planted that church. I'm glad I could go to Acts 16. I can read about that. Good deal. I'm great. But then Paul turns the tables and invites all of us to participate. And Jesus' example of sacrifice, and he gives us, he wants us to take up the same mindset. Here's the invitation from Paul, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, whatever happens, and let me just stop there. 
Because that whatever covers a lot of territory, right? It's the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever is in between. That covers a lot of ground. And Paul says, listen, whatever happens, conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. You should live in such a way that is worthy of, of the gospel. So whatever the situation is, in other words, your life should be consistent with the good news about the Messiah. And this was huge for the people of Philippi who were, who were living in this hotbed of this Roman colony where, who, where, where Caesar was king and you're going to live your life the Roman way and, and we have a culture, we have an expectation, this is how you're going to shape your life. And they said, no, 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 we're making the sacrifice. No, we don't live by Caesar as king, Jesus is king. And Jesus will shape my life. He will determine my values. He will determine my morals. He will determine my beliefs. He's going to shape my life. And that, even if that brings persecution and, and that's going to cause some kind of friction and that's not going to go, that's going to go against the flow and it's going to cause some kind of suffering. But they should not fear. Why? Because they get to participate now in the story of Jesus. And so we have that same invitation this morning. To participate in the story of Jesus. And it starts with just having this faith that says, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to put his way over my way. Even if it causes some suffering. Even if it goes against the flow. Even if it becomes a little bit difficult. But be encouraged. Because it's in our suffering that Jesus resonates with us the most. You understand? It's in our difficulties, it's in our hardships, it's in our, 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 our troubles where Jesus resonates with us the most. Look what the Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews chapter 4. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. So if you're here this morning and you just, I'm having a hard time holding on to this faith and the expectations of this faith. Like I'm having a hard time laying my life down because of my faith. I'm having a hard time living this sacrificial life. How is that even possible? Why would I even do that? Why? Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He knows what you're going through. We have one who, is, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we serve a Savior who knows what we're going through. In every way. So whatever difficulty, whatever circumstances, whatever situation you find yourself in, he's been there. and he's done, In fact, he's, he's been on the other side of that. There's another passage of Scripture where, where, Jesus, where it says that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He's talking to God about you. And he's not complaining. He's praying on your behalf. And I just think that's one of why, because he knows what you've been through. Like I can just hear him saying, Father, that's Scott down here. And he's dealing with this. And I know exactly what that's like. And because of that, right, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need because he's been there and he's done that. Paul knows this. He believes this. He understands this. And this was his approach to, to give up everything, to sacrifice it all. And, and we see this in this letter to Philippians. He, he knows that, that sacrifice will bring certain hardships. So, but Paul understands that he needs this approach. And he understands that sacrifice, well, that allows us to view the eternal over the temporary. 
If I'm, if I'm going to make it through this world, then I understand that everything that happens in this world is temporary. And there's more eternal things at play. And, and i got to understand that. I, I, I can take this on through a spirit of sacrifice where I lay down my plan because God has a plan that's far greater and far better than my plan. Right? And Paul was telling us this. And, and Paul was showing us this. Right? I mean, he's writing this letter, and right from the jump, we get this indication that Paul has a spirit of sacrifice because he's not even thinking about himself. He's not thinking about his situation. He's thinking about this. Listen, Paul starts out by saying this, Philippians 1.3. He says, I thank my God, which is amazing because he's in prison, chained to a guard, waiting death. Now listen, if I'm a Christian and I'm in jail because of my faith. I've only done what God has asked me to do, and because I did what God asked me to do, I find myself in jail, and I'm writing a letter to other Christians. I don't know if I will start out this way, right? I think my letter will be like, where are (laughs) y'all? You're building the militia? Where's Timothy, man? You got to get something. You're raising some money. You're going to send me a cake with a fowl in it or something? Come on, we need an escape plan. We need something got to get me out of here. I, I just don't know if my first approach was, I'm just so thankful. Every time I think of you, right, you're, you're on the outside being all free. <laughs> I'm on the inside. I'm chained to this guard. They're going to kill me. Like, but this, this is the place where Paul is. And this is where he wants us to be in life. And I know, man, human nature beckons us to cry, to bemoan, to complain, to have this bad attitude, to, to look out for ourselves. I mean, we, 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 we believe in so much entitlement that at the least infraction, we just cry out and we grumble. But Paul is showing us in this letter how, how this sacrifice actually can, can raise you up even on your worst day. And this is so important because we all have bad days. I've said this several times here as I've had opportunities to speak. Like, there's really three categories of life. Either you, you, you just came out of a bad day, you're in a bad day, or a bad day's coming. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? It was so encouraging, Pastor. Thank you so much. Right? And that, isn't that true, though? Either, either you just came out, you're in, or, or one's coming. And the problem is we don't do so well in the bad days. I mean, this is where our faith is really put to the test but one of the marks of a mature Christian is living a life of sacrifice so that how you respond to your bad days. Listen, you cannot control what happens to you. But you can control how you respond to what happens to you. And that starts by allowing your faith to keep you focused on the eternal over the temporary. Everything that's happening in this world is temporary. And Paul is teaching us that, that God has something for us even in the middle of our very bad worst day. Back, back to this verse. He goes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership. Paul's not even, he's thankful and now he's praying for others. And even in the midst of all this, he has joy in the partnership of the gospel from this day until now. Being confident of this. He makes this incredible statement, significant statement. He says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that God has this word for someone here today. 
I believe someone's listening to this message today and you're just ready to quit. Ready to walk away, ready to give up. And you just need this word that God will bring what he promised to you to completion. He is the way maker, right? Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Paul's saying, listen, he's talking to this church. He's like, I'm confident of this, that every vision that we had that God gave us, every, every promise that God has given us, everything that we started here 10 years ago, it will happen in Jesus' name. And this is coming from a guy who none of his dreams are coming true. Instead of being on a stage preaching, he's in a jail writing letters. How does he have this confidence? How does he maintain this much confidence that what he knows to be true will, become, will, will come to completion? He is focused on greater things, the eternal over the temporary. And because of that kind of faith, He's got joy right in the middle of it. And by the way, Paul has every right to speak to us on this behalf. I mean, ever, ever since the Lord called Paul, he's had a difficult life. Like, he's had a hard life. Like, he, if anyone could speak to us about this, Paul could speak to us about these things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, there's a list of things that happened to Paul. Just, just some of the things that Paul endured. Five times he received the 39 lashes that Jesus received once. He was beaten with rods on the back of his leg to try to break his spirit. He was shipwrecked, floating at sea for a day and a half or almost two days. He finally makes it to shore, and he's freezing cold, and he decides, I need to build a fire. And he goes to this wood pile to grab wood, and when he does, he's bitten by a snake. This guy can't catch a break. They're so upset with him at one time. They drag him outside the city. They pick up stones and begin throwing it at him and beating him with stones until they thought he was dead. And the list goes on and on. But look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So, so everything on the outside Everything is, is, is temporary. It, it's bad, right? And you can say that. Everything's bad. The economy is bad. The government's bad. The relationships are bad. My finances are bad. My decisions are bad. It's all bad. But that's all outside. But inwardly, inwardly, I have a different dynamic going on inwardly. I'm telling you, if you can learn this truth, it will serve you well. That you can have an outward dynamic that's different than your inward dynamic. And if you're here this morning and your outward dynamic is the same as your inward dynamic, you're in trouble. And if your outward dynamic is controlling your inward dynamic, you're in trouble. Paul says, no, 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 no. I see all of this stuff that's happening on the outside, but inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. And then he goes home for our light and momentary troubles. Light? What light? Paul, you're in a prison. It's dark. You're, you're, what are you talking about light? Momentary. This has been happening for quite some time, but he's teaching us what he has already, already discovered through a spirit of sacrifice. He's like, no, no, no. It's, just, it's nothing but light, and it's momentary. And they're actually achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? Well, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen, well, that's just temporary. But what's unseen, this inward dynamic, that's eternal. 
So often we think that Jesus' lordship means that my temporary circumstances are going to work out in the way that I think is good. And when we take on this mindset, we, we are actually not seeing that God is actually working out his eternal purposes. And God's eternal purposes always supersedes our temporary. The truth of the matter, a lot of times we're playing checkers and God's playing chess. And he's making moves that we don't necessarily understand sometimes. And so we begin to ask questions like, why are you doing this? Why did you let this happen? Why, why didn't you just answer the prayer the way I wanted you to answer the prayer? We could have solved a lot of problems. Why, why, why won't you come through for me in this moment? And God's like, what makes you think that I didn't come through for you? He's just making eternal moves. And what Paul is teaching us here is that we hold up the temporary in light of the eternal and trust that God's going to work it out. This is what it means that all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. God's moving and Paul realizes this. And so the spirit of sacrifice allows us to see the, the eternal over the temporal. Paul also acknowledges that it is the spirit of sacrifice that allows me to learn even in the midst, even in the most difficult of times. Uh, I'm, a, I'm of a generation uh, that got spankings. Come on, where's my 40 plus people here? You know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> we resonate, we, we, and you're suffering, I connect with you. <laughs> right? I mean, my mom used to give me spankings, and she would not hold back, man. I grew up in a divorced home, and I think sometimes I didn't have a father, so she thought she had to just do everything she could to man up. And she didn't trust me. She's like, no, I'm just going to beat the devil out of you. That's what we're going to do. We, we don't need an altar. We, we just need a belt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat it out of you. And, and as much as I, now listen, I deserved it too. Don't get me wrong on those things. But, and as much as I hated the spankings, you know what I hated more than the spankings? The talk after the spankings. All right, let's talk about what we did wrong. Let's talk about why I had to do this. Let's, let's talk about how much I love you. What, what lessons could we make, could we, do we need to learn? And that was the worst. Like, I, I don't want to talk to you. I'm mad right now. I'm hurting. Right now. I can't even sit down. What are you talking about? Let's, let's sit and talk, right? I know, listen, when you're in it, the last thing you want is to learn a lesson. But when we have the spirit of sacrifice, all of a sudden begins to change the way we question things. And so if, if I have a spirit of sacrifice and these circumstances happen, then all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not asking what's happening to me. I'm asking what's happening in me. God, God, what are you doing in me? And Paul shows us. Let's look at another point in Paul's life. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. And I love, I love the past. I love the, the tense in this, like the, the past, the present, and the future tense of this verse. It's powerful. Paul says, listen, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We didn't know if we were going to make it. We were despaired of life itself. We, we didn't think we were going to make this. I mean, we, we, we thought we received a sentence of death. We were under so much pressure, we thought that we were going to lose our life. And I know you've been there. I, I know the, the, the world throws things at you sometimes and you just don't know how you're going to make it. But Paul says, listen, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So Paul's like, even if we die, we have the power of resurrection at our disposal. 
And then he gives us this powerful word. He says he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue. That's a good word this morning, church. He has, he will, he will continue. He has, he will, he will continue. He has, he will, he will continue. If we have a spirit of sacrifice, it's built on this promise that he has, he will, he will continue. And when I get that in my creed, when that becomes part of my DNA, then all of a sudden I'm not asking what's happening to me. I'm asking what's happening in me, just as Paul. Paul says, I don't know what was happening here. We thought we were going to die, but we realized it was because God wanted us to know something. God was doing a work in us. Listen, life will be tough. There will be suffering. Paul has experienced and he knows that anyone who comes after Jesus will also experience, right? So he, he puts this in this letter, back to the letter in Philippians. He, he offers this prayer. He says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. And these two things, in knowledge and in depth of insight. So there's some things that you're going to have to learn here. You're going to need some knowledge. You're going to need some insight, right? right? Why? Because the greatest lessons in life almost always take place in the classroom of suffering. So Paul's like, I'm praying that you have knowledge. I'm praying that you have depth of insight. I'm praying that you figure these things out, that you may be able to discern. There's some things you're going to have to work out what is best. Why? So that you, can be remain, so that you may be remain pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. That comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's saying, I'm praying that, that, that you understand that there's something to be learned here. And if you have the spirit of sacrifice, you will learn what God is doing in you. And Paul, again, he's, he's, he's praying this out of his own experience. Paul's like, listen, we all going to have to go to, the, to school of hard knocks. I know what that means. I'm not exempt for that, right? His, his sacrifice has taught him some things. He keep reading verse 11. He says, for I... Have learned. Paul's like, listen, happened to me naturally. Like, I had to be intentional about this. Like, this wasn't easy for me. I'm in a prison. I've, I've lost so much. But this is what I've learned to be content. And there's that word again. Whatever the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm going to be content, whatever the circumstances. So, regardless of what's going on around me, man, I've learned some things about it. This is, this, is what the, this is what a spirit of sacrifice, if we can just put our will down and, and receive God. Paul's like, I'm going to be able to see the, the eternal over the temporary. And I'm going to understand that God is doing a work in me. It's not about what's happening to me. Like, like the greatest lessons in life are taught in the classroom of suffering. And that actually is going to strengthen me. And then he closes this letter out. Paul, Paul understands that sacrifice, well, that allows me to depend on God. To be the sustainer of life. Paul, Paul has realized who and what sustains life. And he's made a trade. He's traded out some things. And, and again, I know this is so counterculture because we live in the opposite of that, right? We, we live in the pursuit of happiness. We, we're thinking that happiness is what we need to get through life. Well, I just need to be happy. Like, if it makes me happy, then it must be okay. And happiness is, is what I need to, to sustain me. I just, I just want to try to get through. And Now, we may not say that out loud. We may not like to think about that or, or want to admit, that, admit it. But we sure do a lot of things around happiness, right? 
We make movies about being happy. We, we write songs about being happy. We write novels about being happy. Uh, we put it in our creeds. It's in the Declaration of Independence. We're endowed by their creator with certain and unalienable rights. Among them are the life, liberty, and the pursuit of, yeah, it's a part of the American dream. And we think in order for me to be happy, in order for, this to, to, in order for life to go well, well, I just need plenty of stuff. I need blue skies and sunshine. And, and, and if that's the case, then life is good. But it doesn't always work out that way. Right? We're not always happy. Stuff happens all the time that steals our happiness. But here's the deal. When it does, it doesn't have to wreck our life. Paul would say, listen, there's something that supersedes happiness And when you find it by taking on the spirit of sacrifice, it will change your life. And it's actually called joy. The truth is, sacrifice brings the spirit of joy. Now, it's a bit more elusive. Very few people actually discover it. Now, now we know know how to be happy and we know how to get happy. but, But many times we're missing out on this beautiful principle called joy. Here's the problem with happiness. You're happy when things on the outside are great. So if the sun is shining, I'm happy. It's raining on Sunday morning. I'm not so happy about that. If I get the green lights all the way to work, then I'm happy. Everything's great. But that doesn't always happen. Here's the trap. It's not up to you. The sun doesn't always shine, right? You're going to catch some red lights. Ever been through easily in 123? <laughs> Can't get through there quickly. You're going to get a doctor's report. Someone close to you will let you down. You're going to experience some kind of disappointment in something or someone. You are at the mercy of your surroundings. You, you have no control over these things. I'm, I'm amazed how we put so much emphasis on things we cannot control. Things that happen by chance. Then, then all of a sudden, when everything we value is threatened, it throws us into this whirlwind. And listen, when we live a life that pursues happiness based off things that we think will make us happy, like I need a bigger house, I need a better car, I, need, I have to have a certain status in the community or, or, or a certain kind of career, I need some kind of social or, 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 or personal relationships that, that, that I think is what needs me to be happy. Now listen, these things in and of themselves, they're not bad, but when they become the things that sustain life for us, It will always lead to heartache because those things will always let you down. And when we become threatened, and then we become threatened when we see that we may be losing those things. Let me explain it to you this way. It's an illustration given by Max Lucado in one of his books. He says, listen, if you take a fish out of the ocean, out of the waters, and put it on the beach, will the fish be happy? No. I mean, even if you took that fish and took it to some of the most exotic beaches around Would that fish be happy? No. What if you gave that fish $100,000, just a big old wad of money? Would that fish be happy? No, it wouldn't be happy. Well, what if you set the fish up like you gave him a nice beach chair, you gave him a nice towel, maybe some music, give him some peaceful situation, kind of create a serenity for him? Would the fish be happy? No, it's ridiculous. Why? Because the fish was not created for the sand. The fish was created for the ocean. Max Licata goes on and says, listen, this is the case in point. If you have everything this world has to offer, 
Will you ultimately and lastingly be happy? And the answer will always be no. Why? Because you were not created for earth. You were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. This earth that we have here is just a blip. You're here just for a little while, and, you're, and then you're gone. You were created to glorify God of the universe. We are created to serve him, not him to serve us. And we need to take that spirit of sacrifice every day. Say, so, well, how is that even possible? What, what do I need to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is lower our expectations of this earth. No new car, no new home, no new job, no new person is going to satisfy the cravings of our heart because inside of your heart is this Christ-shaped void. Only God can feel that because you are not created to be satisfied by this world. Everything you see here is just counterfeit. There's something so much more, and it's a life that's solely submitted to God. And this is what Paul has figured out. This is exactly what happened to Paul. Philippians 3, so he goes on, he says, but whatever to my gains, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul has discovered something that he cannot lose. He's traded in his pursuit of happiness, and in doing so, he's discovered this joy, and it has brought him so much joy, has empowered him so much that he can just leave. He can just live with such power and peace and presence. Paul knows that this world cannot take from him what it did not give to him, and he wants us to know that too. Like this world cannot take from you what it does not give you. So I'm not going to go to the world for my hope. I'm not going to the world for my peace. I'm not going to the world for my joy or for my love. I'm not going to the world for my resolve, my courage, my purpose. I'm going to find that in Christ, and that begins when I begin to lay down my life. And listen, when we get to this place, it's like being in a sweet spot of life where all cylinders are clicking, and we're fully alive, and we are free. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the situations around me, and Paul closes this letter out, closes this message out with the same great reminder, such a great encouragement. He says this as we close up. He says, and my God will meet all your needs. And I love how he writes this here. You know, a lot of times when you, people reference God, it's the God of Jacob or the God of Abraham or God Almighty or God of the universe. Or, but Paul makes it personal. He's like, I just want to remind you, he's my God. I've trusted him with what I'm telling you. And I've seen him come through. My God will meet all your needs according to what? His glory. So my will to the side, my plans to the side for his glory. And it all begins, this faith that we have, this our foundation, begins with the spirit of sacrifice. Can we, can we just lay down our way for God's way? Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that this truth would resonate in our hearts. God, I pray that we would be empowered by a spirit of sacrifice. That we'd be able to view the eternal over the temporary. That, that we'd see that you're doing a work inside of us. And that you are the sustainer of life. Lord, I know we're going through a lot. And, and Lord, I just pray for anyone here today that just needs to meet with you. And if you're here today and you want to meet with me, 
with God. We, we have a, a prayer room right outside these walls and these doors just to the right and on the other campuses as well. Maybe here today and you say, you know what, I just got to lay it down. And I just got to believe that God is going to do a work in me and through me. And it begins with the spirit of sacrifice. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would empower us through the spirit. In Jesus' name.